to prove his innocence, an honest cop is taking the police hostage. You are not in control! On July 31st, negotiations are over. Right now, I'm the only thing standing between you and an army that's just itching to take you out. And the action begins. Pull the trigger! Samuel L. Jackson. You want my blood? Take my blood! Kevin Spacey. I can't hold him back anymore. They're coming up. The Negotiator. Rated R. Negotiations begin Friday, July 31st everywhere. Ooh, I like that. Negotiations begin July 31st. So that's right. We're going to travel back to 1998 today. And also we're going to be traveling back three weeks ago when we watched this movie. But I've been such a fucking lazy shit. I'm like, oh, I'm too tired to record. Correct? This is old millennials remember movies. (laughs) You're such a dick. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Old Millennials Remember Movies. I'm Angela Yoshiko, here with my asshole husband co-host, Tyler Wilson. I've done nothing, and you're already hostile to me. You're being a fucking dick. <laughs> I'm not being a dick. Uh, you didn't say the name of the podcast, so I thought I would jump you in. You thought you'd throw me shade. And, no, I and... just said the name of the podcast. <laughs> you said the name of the podcast. What's wrong with you? All right. So this is going to be a spicy episode. God. I'm grouchy. Tyler's yeah. pissing me off tonight. I've done anything. God, you're just driving me nuts. However, I quit. I am drinking some chamomile, chamomile, chamomile tea, chamomile tea, chamomile. Chamomile sounds better. Uh, so hopefully that'll chill me out. Um, I don't think I've ever had this tea before, though. So I'll let you know if we need to pause and go get some other tea because it's gross. Tyler, okay. <laughs> are you, like, going to join me on this podcast tonight, or am I just fucking talking to I'm myself? Just, I'm just trying to hold on tight from the tornado that, that is you right now. You know what? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> okay, so we are going to be talking about The Negotiator, but first we're going to let Tyler ramble on about what he's been watching I'm not going to do this with you. This is how you're going to be the whole time. So we're actually going to introduce a new game-ish challenge in starting in this episode and uh it goes a little something like this okay so before the episode started we each individually wrote down three random ass words and the we are going to pass these secret words to the other person <laughs> secret words yeah you yep. should call this game secret word welcome to it's the- not really a secret word because we're both gonna know the words it's a secret word up until the point you see it oh, that's right and the listener doesn't know what it is well, that's true. So it's a fucking secret, secret, secret word. It's a secret word. <laughs> now I have a lisp. And the challenge is, can the other person integrate those three words in naturally by the end of the episode? <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, mine are not going to be natural. The ones you're giving me? No, the ones that you're going to give me whatever, and I'm, it's probably not going to be very natural. You're going to be like, and butthole. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I heard. Now listen. Credit credit where credit where credit is due. I heard this on a sports podcast. Kind of not the same thing, but they did like a word, and I enjoyed it. So I was like, we should do that. So I stole it, and I'm not even going to tell you the name of the podcast. In part because I don't remember which one it was. I thought you were saying in part because I'm a dick. <laughs> no, I don't remember. I I listened to a couple different uh, Minnesota Twins podcasts, so I don't know. So what you're saying is you've got uh, presidential level cognitive abilities. Person. TV, TV, camera, camera. Got it. <laughs> okay, so we have the words listed on a piece of paper. Listen carefully. That's paper. Came on both sides of the microphone. Did you see that? Oh. Okay, here you go. Okay. Here hand, and we're just going to take a second glance at them. Okay. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, okay. 
Not a problem. Okay. So we are going to talk about what we've been watching recently. Tyler's just focusing on the words, whereas I'm actually... <laughs> this is going to be a problem. It's going to be like, wait, what were the words? And I'll have like, oh shit, I'll say the word butthole now. Okay, so what we've been watching recently is the part where we just talk about what we have been watching on TV, on movies, and obviously we're not going to the theaters right now. No. So we've been watching a lot of stuff at home. Tyler's been watching a lot more movies than me, including... Oh, shit. Do you want to talk about the movie that I watched first, or do you want to talk about the big thing we watched? Oh, man. So the big thing we watched yeah. was a little thing called The Watchmen. Called Watchmen. No, called The Watchmen. I don't think it's called The Watchmen, but Pretty right. certain I typed The Watchmen, so that's what that's it is. not what it is. It's just Watchmen. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Watchmen, which is based on a comic book series... Now, this will be fun, because I'll explain what uh, it is. No, hold on. I was. This was actually the game that I had for uh, this episode. So stop, I will stop you right there. We're going to play Angela Explains It All. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. Okay, so you're not going to explain what the Watchmen TV series. I would like you, based on your knowledge of what I have told you and what is given to you in the text of the series... Just in general, what happens in the original comic of Watchmen? So there's this comic <laughs> called Watchmen. Yeah. And there are these... Not the Watchmen. It's fucking the Watchmen. Okay. And there are these people, mm-hmm. and they're superheroes, mm-hmm. and then there's like there's like a few main characters. One of the main characters is Dr. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. What's uh, his name? Surprised you didn't get that. Oh, I just spaced out on it. I want to say, like, Octavius. That's Doc Ock from Spider-Man. <laughs> I know that. He's cool. Dr. Menendez. You're close. <laughs> Isaac, Not a Menendez, Isaac brother. Menendez. <laughs> Dr. Isaac Menendez. There's a, there's a superhero named Dr. Isaac Menendez. <laughs> I fucking... He's got a big blue dong. So it's confusing to me. <laughs> okay. Because I watched this movie with you, The Watchmen. We, I think we saw it in the theaters. Yeah. Wait, wait, year when it came out, like 2007-ish? Yeah. And, and I remember nothing. It's not a great movie. It's okay. I remember more being... I remember the excitement for it coming out more than I remember the actual movie. Because you had not read the comic. Yeah. And still so, have not. <laughs> yeah. Then there's this other guy, the Blue Dong guy. Or is it the same guy? That's the same guy okay. you're trying to talk about. Dr. Isaac Menendez. What's his real name? Dr. Manhattan. Manhattan. <laughs> That's that's right. Dr. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. He's a big blue guy who likes to walk around with his dong out. Yeah. And everything else out. Not just his dong. He's naked. Right. And then there's the one guy. And then there's the one lady. And then there's things that happen. The end. <laughs> Got it. Crushed it. Nailed it. What happens at the end that There's the sets smartest up... man in the world. Okay. Yep. Yep. And what happens in He's the comic that's significant? Destroy. He's trying to destroy... Dr. New York Manhattan. Okay, no, but what is the significant thing that happens at the end of Watchmen that is kind of the established world of this TV series? Uh, is it in the show? Yeah. Murder. <laughs> Lots of murder. It's murder. Masked people. Masked police officers. Right, they have to All wear the masks. police officers get murdered. Because they have to wear masks. Is that in the movie? I don't know this. Okay, and that's the end of me trying to explain it all. Na 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 na. No, what you're saying. What you're saying. The cops in the show, because there's a bass. There's a the setup of the TV series is not. Well, I'm gonna free pass on the original Watchmen. Thank you. Uh, comic 
is that there's a, a violent incident in Tulsa uh, against I cops. I know that because I watched that. Yeah, and the cops have to wear masks on their cheeks. And so when they do that, uh, you know, they, they can see or so, or they can wear um, like a actual – some of them wear costumes. Like our main character played by Regina King. She is like the hooded – I forgot her name. Hooded Sister nun. Sister Knight. Warrior nun. Sister <laughs> Knight. Sister Boom. Knight. Point for me. Got that one. Um, so – and that's the setup, but then it then it kind of slowly peels back. See, what we were watching it, uh, it got multiple Emmy nominations just recently, and I've been meaning to watch it. It was relatively cheap Blu-ray on Amazon, so I scooped that up and I we watched it. And we watched it. I mean, we watched maybe one episode a night, one or two episodes a night. Great way to watch it. Nine episodes, and it starts kind of like this procedural with masked vigilantes, but then um, it starts to integrate some of the old lore of the original comic, including. Dr. Manhattan is discussed, and what the smartest man in the world has done, which was, I'm trying to get you to say, he dropped a giant squid from an interdimension. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it reunited the world, and this show opens with not saying who it is, but Jeremy Irons is very clearly playing Ozymandias, the smartest man in the world. He's Isaac on Menendez. Some, Got Isaac, it. No, you were talking about Dr. Manhattan. I know, I but that's where the Isaac Menendez, Ozzy Mendez, very close. So it integrates all that slowly, and I think it's good because it gets pretty weird. Um, and then the, the the most notable change is that the Rorschach character has been... The masks are used by the white supremacist terrorist group, which I think has probably riled up some people that really liked Rorschach in the uh, comic originally. But it's it makes sense. Sure, I mean nobody wants a character compared to or inspire, inspiring the KKK. But group. if you if you read the comic, you kind of and where he like publishes his stuff, like it makes sense that that's what maybe would happen. Um, anyway, what did you think about the the TV series? Knowing that you, I. I Number one, I was trying to tell you a couple different things about it, but then it became clear that the show was going to provide us with details because it's kind of a sequel, but it doesn't. It's not really a direct sequel. There are characters that return, but not all of them. Yeah, I was able to enjoy it with having completely forgotten the movie and not knowing the comic series, right. and I think that's important for a show like this so new people can get into it. Yeah, and so I was able to, and it's right up my alley as far it, and, and not just like comic booky stuff, but just really heavy, important content that was very thoughtfully handled as far as the Tulsa Massacre in 1920. The first episode mm-hmm. opens with this um, scene of the riots and massacre of, of multiple, a lot of people in old Tulsa, and it plays a very key role in a certain lineage of characters on the show. And it was notable when it came out because I think, you know, the thing is, is that it's in the public consciousness now, and it's obviously we had a there was a, a rally around, you know, there was there's been a lot more conversation about that now. But when it even came out late last year, it was like there was a lot of articles that were just like, oh yeah, this happened. And it was like it was information, and in the and the and the um the show makes a point of saying like it is like a thing that we've you know we we swept under a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, so I like that, and the whole show uses that moment, that scene, that first 15 minutes of the show is kind of what the whole series is about in a lot of ways and what that means to, you know, the legacy of all the characters through that. And I just really like that. It's a very strange uh, structure of a show because the first two, like, <laughs> you, like you, I mean, the first two episodes, you're just like, what the fuck is happening in this show? What What am I missing? <laughs> right. And then, and then the, you know, toward... After about four episodes, they they go into about three pretty significant flashback episodes in a row, and then there's like one hour finale. So it's like it's boom, 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 
and and it goes all over the place. It's from one of the creators of Lost, Damon Lindelof, who I think does. I mean, I think he he at least co-wrote on every episode of the the nine episodes. Um, and I just I thought it was incredible, and it it's very compelling. Uh, Regina King is amazing on the show. She's, She's a great so lead. She's talented. great in everything. She won her Oscar recently for If Bill Street Could Talk. Jean Smart is in it. Um, she's great in everything she's in. Mm-hmm. She shows up and she's, she kind of shows up in episode like three and just rides out the whole thing. She's great. Uh, you got Don Johnson. You got Jeremy Irons already. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson is playing a, a, a guy with a shiny, uh, mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's good. I mean, it's a, it's a really well made, uh, show. It touches on a lot of kind of very relevant things, including the, I mean, Hulu put this show out for free. I mean, if you had a Hulu subscription for a weekend during the kind of the peak of the um, protests and stuff that went on earlier this spring and into the summer, but it, it's not. A, it's hard to watch that. First, we have kids; we couldn't get that done no in a way. weekend. So mm-hmm. it's too much. It was. I'm glad that we waited and we took our time with it. Um, I wish that it was maybe ten episodes rather than nine because I felt like we once we got through the flashbacks, we really only have one episode to kind of wrap things up, and yep. then it's just like, oh, okay, we got to get all this stuff done, and then it kind of underserves a couple of the characters. But it's good. It's really good. Those flashback episodes, especially, are really well made. It's kind of like um, those three episodes, especially the way that it you kind of. Because they're not just flashbacks. It, it's kind of I'm not going to say how it is. It, like there's creative ways in which we we go to the past, and, and it's not time travel, but whatever. It reminded me of what I would say is the best episode of Lost is that episode where Desmond gets unstuck in time and is bouncing all over the place. And I that's the, a great episode of the of Lost, you know, later episode. And that's what that felt like. Only like only more like even more sophisticated. Um, more powerfully acted, more things going on, multiple characters. I just, yeah, it's a great show. Yeah. Yes, it is. And I like a TV show. It's a mini series. Mm-hmm. It's over. It's over. Nine yep. and no more. And I can commit, I can sit down and I can get into that. I why you gotta get into like multiple seasons. I can't do it. Yeah. I think the Watchmen did a really good job of balancing drama, some historical fiction in there, mm-hmm. and a little bit of comedy like the the writing is on point yeah sharp and it just it you're you're enjoying this you know fantasy world really you know this mm-hmm. is a totally different reality than our own but has some truths to it it doesn't betray the superhero genre either i mean it that's doesn't. the thing um which is and especially now it's it's hard to kind of feel fresh in that regard especially since it is based on you know original iconic comic series as well so it's it's you know it's challenged to kind of be have a fresh take, but it, I think it does a nice job. Yeah, it's a t- it's a timely piece to talk about systemic racism and how it wasn't only it was only a couple generations ago where we just massacred lots of black people. It is weird because those <laughs> the cops in the show they wear masks. Yeah, and it like, is very oh. weird now to watch it because it's just like oh yeah we're watch- we're wearing masks for a whole different reason. I mean it doesn't it does, it, it's apples and oranges, but it's just very strange that we're watching it right now and it's like so prevalent of like masks and what masks mean in like a and a police society and stuff like that. It was just, uh, yeah, it was great. To, uh, um, yeah, but, but uh, yeah, you know, the point is, is just like uh, the way it's set up. I think you were, conf- you know, you were like, what's going on in this? But then like that, all that set up, you know, it pays dividends later where you just kind of ride into that. Uh, that ding, 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 ding. <laughs> what? Dividends. <laughs> word number one. Oh, that's number word number two. You missed the first one I used already. You did? Cheek. <laughs> 
man, crushing it. <laughs> I guess it, so Tyler's throwing out the secret words I gave him, mm-hmm. and I missed the first one because apparently I don't listen to him when he's talking. <laughs> I'm counting on it. No. Um, okay, yeah, so Watchmen. It, you should watch it. I know people have watched it, but... Yeah, I mean, enjoy some applesauce, watch Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. <laughs> I mean, you did it, but holy shit. <laughs> Ding, 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 I guess. <laughs> yep. Crushed it. <laughs> All right. Um, well, what other show are you... I, I mean, I got a couple movies I could talk about, but um, do you have a, anything you want to talk about? Go ahead and talk about your 18 movies you watched. I didn't Just, watch like, that many. click through them, though. I will. I'll click through them. Uh, I watched, uh, in almost in spirit of this uh, podcast, I watched a movie on Hulu called The Last Full Measure. It is a fact-based... It's kind of a war film. It's more of like a... a government drama i don't know he's it's about sebastian stan who is the winter soldier okay he is a bureaucrat like a government guy and he's supposed to do some research to make sure this guy who died in the vietnam war gets a medal of freedom or whatever right okay it's based on true story samuel jackson is in the movie he's one of the soldiers uh you know troop members or whatever as is like ed harris and christopher Plummer, who we're gonna is talk about you were telling me we're like the never mind you can just keep talking uh uh peter fawn i mean it's got a really good cast right um but it's pretty it's you know it it's very uh not pre- preachy's the wrong word it's not it's very sentimental mm, it, it, it's a dad it, movie yeah, but it, you know, it's just like, it really lays it on thick when it really doesn't need to be laid on thick, you know what I mean? Like, the significance of this guy earning his, his medal and, you know, learning that story. Like, it, it's it's a pretty, like, it's fact-based, it's a real thing. It's a pretty incredible story, so there's not a lot of reason to, like, lay it on real mm-hmm. thick. Like, the, the overt patriotism, the overt, like, isn't this a an American hero. It's like, well, yes, this is why we're watching the movie. Like, we don't need to keep, like, hitting the same points. But, I mean, the cast is so good that... And, and every, you know, Sam Jackson only has a few scenes. Ed Harris only has a few scenes. and um, But it's okay. It's not, like, a great movie. came out early this year. It's all on Hulu now. I watched The Assistant, not The Accountant, which you asked me earlier. That's the Ben Affleck movie. I was like, I saw that. Not The Intern. That's uh, Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro. Who you love. Who, Robert Anne De Niro. Hathaway. I do love Anne Hathaway. Um, and she's just underrated. It's, I don't understand how people don't like her. She's a great actress. Um, you mumbled the shit out of that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> the Assistant is a kind of like a day in the life, very small drama about uh, an assistant at a Hollywood uh, office. And her boss is very clearly like... If it's not mentioned, it's like, it's Harvey Weinstein, right? She works for Harvey Weinstein or someone who's like Harvey Weinstein, right? Ew. Right. But it is very careful to not show this character. He doesn't, they don't show the person. He only kind of hear him muffled on the phone and she's reading emails from him and stuff like that. And then it's just kind of like, who's going into the office and who's coming out of the office. And that's how you figure out like, oh yeah, this guy's like not great. Right. Yeah. Um, it sounds awesome. It's 90 minutes. It's a day. In, it's kind of just like one day in this life. It is very small in scope. Um, the lead actress is really good. Her name escapes me. She's good in the movie. Um, it's very well acclaimed. This I struggle with this because it is doing exactly what it wants to do, and mm-hmm. it's making the point. It's you know it's trying to make, and that is is that you know it's it's not just this monster 
that's doing something. There's a whole network. There's a whole facade that kind of facilitates that, right? It helps to create that situation. And even when someone who is against it, like the person in the movie, the assistant, right? She's clearly, like, upset by it, offended by it. She's part of the system that that makes it happen. Yep. And, you know, she's got, you know, her own things she has to worry about. She's trying to, you know, build her career up. And she's supposed to, you know... So there's all these things that go on. And I, and I think that's a very astute point, And it's a point well made. Does it make for an especially, like, amazing drama that you really want to, like, go back and rewatch? I don't think so. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's kind of one of those things. It's like, yes, it does what exactly what it's trying to set out to do very well. But it's not necessarily, like, hugely ambitious in that regard. Gotcha. I, I really like the scene where she goes and talks to HR. That's a really great scene. And honestly, if there was a little bit more of that, it would kind of elevate the movie a little bit more. Because that is a really dynamic, um, more tension-filled scene in kind of a more uh, traditional sense. This is everything else is kind of deliberately lower key. So anyway, I thought it was okay. I appreciated it, but you know, it's on Hulu. Don't want mm-hmm. to turn it on when you want. Um, I watched First Cow. I rented First Cow. I spent money on a digital thing. Of course, you did. To watch First Cow. It's directed by Kelly Reinhardt, who made... Uh, she makes a lot of movies set in the Inland Northwest. Uh, if Night Moves, the one that's notable is Meek's Cutoff, which was kind of a period film about... It's Michelle Williams is in it. She's on a Oregon Trail going toward the coast. Um, that's on Hulu, too. You can watch that or in one of those. Fascinating. This movie is about uh, people who have, have got on the Oregon Trail. They've, they're in the Inland Northwest, and they are... In like a fur trapping area, and it's uh, a, an, an Asian American, not an Asian American. I think he's like an immigrant who is in the New World trying to you know survive. And then this other guy, and they kind of become friends. And the other guy is he's a chef, so he's kind of like on. He's there because he was a chef, but he's really bad at being like a, a tough you know man's man. Wilder, I mean, he he can he's totally fine. He can survive on his own, but like he's just not well respected by the other like so called gruff, tough men. Okay, you know what I mean, and it just makes it weird. Okay, we are gonna pause real quick. So anyway, like there's two guys. They kind of meet up while they're and they're struggling, and they figure out they're just kind of trying to come up with a scheme to make money, right? They're just trying to survive, right? And they, uh, the, the movie's called First Cow because they see this cow floating down the river by itself and it's just like why is this cow it's owned by like the kind of the rich guy in the fur area right mm-hmm. and he has a farm and eventually it's going to just be like full of cattle but like uh so much cattle uh she didn't know i was gonna talk about first cow i didn't um suck but so they they go there and he's they're talking about like oh man i know how to make this really i miss biscuits or whatever and he's like we'll make it we can make it he's like no you need milk we don't have milk so they go and they go in the middle of the night and they steal oh. milk from the the cow Not and then cool, they man. decide that's so good that this is the way they're going to make a little money they're going to sell it to their fur trappers but it hinges on this uh going and stealing milk every night right can so, they just get their own cow no they're poor and there's no there's literally it's the first cow there's no cow anywhere hundreds of miles <laughs> they have to bring the, the cows in right so um it's kind of like a low-key heist film in that regard, but it's also like this a little bit of like a low, like a kind of a quiet little buddy comedy. But it also, um, it has just like this. It's just enough. It's just like this subtle criticism of 
kind of the American way that started all those years ago and still has a way of coming back around. Where the rich... What do you mean? Where we're great? Where, you know, certain individuals have a better start than others, we'll say. And it, it requires a lot of effort and extra arduous work and dangerous work and 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 other things to kind of reach the point of people who have already begun uh, higher. And then even then, you usually fall short. <laughs> so, uh, it, and it's told in a relatively lighthearted way, but it does have this kind of biting criticism to it. And it's very, very good. And it's a, it's a movie that you, you watch and you're like, oh, well, why is that like so? And then it just kind of lingers with you for a few days and it's just like the more and more you think about it and it's really impeccably acted between the two actors, which, I mean, they're not... They're kind of familiar guys, but they uh, again I didn't uh, didn't write the names down. They're great. Watch First Cow. It's available on VOD, like five bucks to rent. Five dollars. I'd say it's worth it. It's uh, it's good. It's really good. It's one of the better movies of the year so far. It's a weird year, but I liked it. It's probably the movie of hers I've liked the most because I have seen you know several of her. I'm not. I don't think I've seen all of them, but Wendy and Lucy and. I, I've always been a little bit at a distance. I think this is a, a kind of some of her best best work. So, Kelly Reichardt's first cow, featuring one cow, not cattle. Oh my god, you're hilarious. <laughs> Applesauce. What? I don't know. Uh, that's it. Okay, so go watch Watchmen. Yeah. Which, did we buy? Did you yeah, buy? I got the Blu-ray. Yeah, it's it. cheap, and then you can, you can also rent it digitally. And if you have HBO, you can watch it on your HBO subscription. The Last Full Measure. Hulu. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. The Assistant. Yeah, it's fine. It's on Hulu. First Cow. I'd rent that. You'd it's rent good. First Cow yeah. for $5. Sure. Why not? Okay. It was in theaters very briefly in so March. So you paid and then, $5 and then you didn't watch it with me? I told I told you I was going to watch it. I told you what it was. You're like, oh, First Cow. I'm watching Umbrella Academy or whatever. You're such a dick. That's what you said. And also, <laughs> that's all. Okay. That's all I have to say about you. <laughs> that's what you said, so that's fine. Okay. That's what we've been watching. Mm-hmm. You want to talk to The Negotiator? Yes. Great. The Negotiator is a movie we're going to talk about next. And what you should do is talk about the high stats of The Negotiator. Okay. <laughs> all right. This is the part of the podcast where we talk high stats. <laughs> high stats. The Negotiator. Not to be confused with that movie called The Fumigator. <laughs> <laughs> what is The Fumigator? Okay, fine. I'll give it to you if you give me a brief plot synopsis of the movie The Fumigator. Okay, so The Fumigator mm-hmm. is about this um, man okay. who It's always is about a man, isn't it? 90s always, movie. God. Always. Who is known for being the best fumigator in the entire... What is fumigation? Fumigation is when you... It's it's like you go in mm-hmm. and you spray a bunch of chemicals and you kill all the things. Okay. Like, okay. Like rodent control, but you're oh. fumigating. So you, you can fumigate against rodents, you can fumigate against insects and spiders. Can you fumigate against other fumes? No. What if so, you have an odor in the house? So the fumigator is about this famous fumigator, <laughs> famous who, gets, fumigator. who gets accused of killing someone via fumigation. Okay. <laughs> and so he holds a bunch of people hostage. Oh, so it's very close to the negotiator. With, with his fumigation kit. Okay. 
And what then, isn't a fumigation kit? The fumes. It's like a briefcase. It's, it's kind of, if you think about like Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, they're like a pack. Yeah, it's like a pack. Only okay. instead of sucking ghosts in, it blows fumes, fumes out. out. It's pretty much like that. I don't think I, I don't think I, I don't, I've never really you, thought about fumigation before. You have because you've seen a lot of movies where they pretend to be fumigators and they go into they a do. house to set up cameras. No, they, they're, they're exterminators. Exterminators and fumigators are the same. I don't feel like that's thing. the same thing. Well, are you going to fact check me right now? No, I don't know. I because just... your phone's in airplane mode, so fuck you. It is in airplane mode. And that's and so then to resolve the situation, he demands that another fumigator come because only <laughs> another fumigator would understand. You know, the, it does sound a lot the like skill the set of a fumigator. Yeah, which one and, came first? Yeah. Well, the fumigator. No, that came before the negotiator. Yeah. Oh man! The negotiator is of the fumigator? inspired by the true story oh, of the fumigator. Okay, not Dog Day Afternoon or any of those other heist no. uh, hostage no. movies. No, it's okay. inspired by a true story called the fumigator. Got it. Okay, okay. perfect. But we are today talking about the negotiator. <laughs> the negotiator. Great. We know that negotiations began on July thirty first, nineteen ninety eight. God, that's so great! <laughs> it is rated R. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It is two hours and twenty minutes. Yep. And it feels like it, it could have used a little bit of chip chopping. Disagree. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, according to my source here, it came out July 29th. So shit, Somebody's man. full of shit. That commercial's full of shit, you're telling me? Yeah, I they said so. open on a Wednesday rather than a Friday? I don't know. Is that what they tried to do? It's directed by F. Gary Gray. F. Gary Gray, uh, a bit of a journeyman director. What do you he's, mean by journeyman? He, oh, does he have his license or something? No, he's just a guy who kind of makes all sorts of different uh, movies, at least recently. He, he made Friday. He made the Oscar. Oh, it wasn't Oscar nominated. I keep thinking that Straight Outta Compton was nominated for Best Picture, and now I'm thinking it didn't. Um, and then he made mm, one of the weaker uh, Fast and Furious movies, The Fate of the Furious. And then he made the truly, recently, the truly awful Men in Black International. That movie was so bad. But he made Straight Outta Compton, which is very good, and Friday. So, I mean, he he just, you know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily say there's a certain style about him. That's, you know, like, that's an F. Gary Gray movie. Okay. Um, he, He's a very competent director, but yeah, the material, if the material's not great, you know, he's not necessarily going to be able to elevate it with anything. You know what I mean? Yes. It was co-written... By James DeMonaco. Okay. Famous for all the Purge movies. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. And then Kevin Fox. Okay. Who has a cool name. Kevin Fox. I didn't click him to see what he does. Related to Rick Fox. Is basketball it, player slash match game player. Is that the hot guy? No, Rick, yeah, with a basketball player? I don't know. From match game? Is he tall and very hot? Talking about Matthew Fox from Lost? No, I'm thinking I'm talking about Rick Fox. Rick Fox from yeah. what? He's tall and he's black and he's super a hot. Basket, a, a former basketball player named Rick Fox? That sounds like that checks out. I don't know. He's on Match Game a lot? Sure. Oh, wow. Kevin Fox is known for a <laughs> mm, bunch of things. Law and Order episodes. It this like. is a stacked cast. I'm not getting to the cast part yet. Okay, so the cast yeah. is stacked. It's We've cast. got... Are you ready for it? Well, above the line, you got Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson. Yeah. Kevin Spacey. Christopher Plummer. Stop it. <laughs> David Morse. David Morse, very famous, very well-known actor, Green Mile. He's in a ton of stuff. Ron Rifkin. Ron Rifkin. You and I, he's been in a ton of stuff, but you and I, of course, we watched him all throughout Alias. Uh, he was kind of like... This is a show about a spy. Yeah, this is a show about a spy. I've been insisting that we go back and watch that. We have the DVDs. And I think it's on one of the... But you're like, oh, we always have too much stuff to watch. No, I just don't watch a lot of TV shows. 
Um, the show, uh, the negotiator also has John Spencer. The great John Spencer, Mr. Leo McGarry from the West Wing. Amazing. R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, it has J.T. Walsh. J.T. Walsh, R.I.P. This is one of his last movies, actually. He's great in it. Has a... Keep going. This is Deep Bench. Uh, Siobhan Fallon Hogan. She is, uh, Edgar's wife in Men in Black. She's great in that, and she's pretty good in this, too. It's got some Paul Giamatti. Got the great Paul Giamatti in a role before he really, really broke out, but man, he's he just Paul Giamattiing all over this movie. Yep. Stacked. Yep. It's a stacked movie. Uh, I don't really... That's pretty much it. <laughs> Bruce Beatty? The, 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 uh, Sam Jackson's partner is a guy who was on, like, CSI forever. It's a stacked cast. Totally. Yep. Uh, what else do you want to know? Uh, what was the, what was its budget? What was the weekend gross on the opening weekend so, and total box office? Sure. The estimated budget mm-hmm. was $50 million. Pretty, pretty, yeah. I mean. And it grossed, must not have gone worldwide because the U.S. matches the worldwide. Oh, uh, does it? Interesting. A modest $44 million. Okay. Not bad. I mean, uh, this. It was budgeted $50 million and only made $44 million. That's not, not bad. That's bad. For the movie, the type of movie it is, though, it's it kind of... It didn't make any money. It's odd to me. It's good. I mean, that's surprising. It was a summer release. Uh, this was this period where it's a it's a great period for me because it's... Uh, Sam Jackson is getting lead roles uh, in kind of big movies. Mm-hmm. He's still riding the, uh, the Pulp Fiction uh, train. And so he, there's not a lot of these. I mean, there's... I mean, Sam Jackson is in so many movies, right? But yep. there's not a lot... Of Sam Jackson-led kind of like studio films, not really. There's you know the original, the the, the remake of Shaft. The, I know he just did another one of those last year. Uh, but you know, A Time to Kill was his top build, but that was a you know that was an ensemble movie. Matthew McConaughey, Sandy Bullock, right? I mean, you know, there wasn't he he make a lot of he does still does that now. He makes he's a lead in a lot of smaller movies, but this was a big a big uh, movie for him to open, and I was uh, very excited about that and. Uh, at the time, I mean, this was 98. I mean, 98 Tyler, if you had to pick, like, his two favorite actors, it would have been Samuel Jackson and Christopher Plummer. So, <clears throat> Kevin Spacey. Okay, so we have to talk about this. This is the first movie that we've done on this show uh, starring a, a film that features Kevin Spacey. Now, that uh, doesn't... We, we cover the 80s and 90s, so Kevin Spacey was all the fuck over the 90s, right? Yes, sir. So, we know some different stuff about Kevin Spacey now. There have been several allegations against him, starting back in 2017. And and we have not, uh, we, we've pretty much, we've, uh, we've removed him from <laughs> pop culture. Uh, the reason I keep calling uh, him Christopher Plummer is because in the movie All the Money in the World... I think it was Ridley Scott who made that. He famously, after all of these accusations, really became like very apparent that this was like a systemic repeat thing that was going on with Kevin Spacey. He filmed this movie with Mark Wahlberg and Michelle Will- Michelle Williams. Oh man, it's been a- that movie's not a great movie, so it's hard to remember. But he went and he they'd filmed the movie already, and he went back and was just like, "Fuck it, we're gonna just go reshoot the- all the scenes with Kevin Spacey with Christopher Plummer." And it's actually, I saw the movie and I was amazed, like. Wow, Christopher Plummer's in a lot of this movie. Like, yeah, they had to reshoot quite a bit, and they had to bring in the other people, and like, it was kind of impressive. And I, I think, I mean, as long as Christopher Plummer's alive, I kind of like this idea of 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 replacing him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that's not realistic, right? We went through this period, right, where 
Kevin Spacey, he won two Oscars in the 90s. He was in a lot of movies that are, you know, very significant to that time period, right? He was an actor I really, really liked at the time. Uh, even before we knew about him and what he would, you know, whatever was allegedly doing behind the scenes, I think my appreciation for his acting had kind of waned. Mostly, you know, he making not great selections of movies, potentially, you know, uh you just kind of seeing the same thing out of him a little bit. And then, so, I mean, my, my particular, like, um, enjoyment of an actor was kind of diminished a little bit. I didn't really care for House of Cards all that much. Yeah. And what he was watched, doing on that show. We watched, like, the first season, but it was, like, not that enjoyable. And then I, we just, like, just stopped he's watching. Just, he was just kind of mugging through that, and it became apparent that it was kind of just, like, this is what he does in these movies. And, you know, it's just, it got old, right? So. Yeah. It's been a while since I, you know, but that that being said, there's been movies that I really, really, you know, like that he's in, but we've never gone back because it's just like, well, what are we going to do now? Because like, do we do we feel weird about him? Because I know that like sometimes when I watch like it's hard for me to like watch a Mel Gibson movie and there's a lot of Mel Gibson movies I kind of like. Where I'm just like, oh yeah, he's kind of a fucking asshole. He's right? super this fucking like, racist. It's a little bit of a, you know, well, allegedly. Um, <laughs> Sugar tits. <laughs> right. So, you know, it, you wonder, right? And I think this is the first time I think, I don't even, it's kind of, because Baby Driver came out and Edgar Wright made that and I love Edgar Wright. And it was kind of like right after that. And I don't know if I've watched anything since Baby Driver with Kevin Spacey in it until we watched The Negotiator. And it was, uh, it was odd. But let me, what were your thoughts doing this? Cause you didn't have as much of a, maybe an attachment to him as an actor, but did it bother you watching him in this movie? Cause he's a, he's the second lead. It didn't bother me in a way that I was like, he's a bad person, so I can't enjoy his mm-hmm. performance. It did, um, chill me a little in a few scenes where he's like, he's chilling. And, and when you hear about some of the allegations, it's just like, Ugh, he's kind of. He's, he's chilling kind of in the a, negotiator. Yeah, there's, there's just a couple scenes where he's like, he gets this tone of voice. Well, that's a different shade then. And 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 the look in his on his face. Okay. Where he's talking seriously, and it might even be to like the other team, the team and stuff. Okay. But there's just there were a couple moments where I was like, he's that's he's a little bit spooky. And like, I don't think I don't know if that would have been apparent had you not known. No, I, I don't think it's in the performance necessarily. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, yeah. It was more. It was more tinged by by knowing those okay. allegations and thinking, oh, he's kind of like a dark dude, possibly. Right. Like, he's maybe t- yeah, performing. I don't know. Yeah. It spooked me a little. It was chilling, and I, and then it made me think of some of his other performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, and uh, it doesn't help that he's played. I mean, his two played, most, yeah. some of his most famous roles have been where he, I, I mean, he's in Seven. He's obviously a very, very creepy bad guy in that movie. American Beauty is you know his other Oscar. You know, he won for The Usual Suspects, which I've never particularly found great but whatever that's a whole different conversation um but american beauty i mean i know that every most people have soured on that we think we talked about that movie previously previous on an episode but he plays a lecherous guy who's ogling a teenager so i mean you're not meant to (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, oh that you know by the way i think that now that i say that that we we talked about this on an episode. I watched like a lot of American Beauty on you TV. Did. That's right. And I was weird watching him, and it, it that really colors it because he was like being a predator to a young woman in the movie, and that is mm, similar to what we've heard about alleged other things. So only alleged. He hasn't been criminally charged with 
anything. No, but it's it's fascinating how I don't know what it is. It's there's is multi, maybe it's just the fact that there's there's multiple things and you know there's been inve- actual investigations of some of the places he's worked and so it's multiple things in in the the main one that started this all goes back to 19 like 92. But I mean House of Cards fired him. Yes. Before the final season, he lost his position in charge he of a lost theater. Everything. Yeah, and then and it doesn't help that he every year he pops up. Last two years in a row, he pops up with like these little Christmas videos. Have you seen these? Yes, it's where he's basically fuck. himself. Well, but, he's playing the a Frank Underwood character for but, House of Cards, but of himself. It's he's very not like strange. I'm Frank Underwood. He's like I'm Kevin Spacey. Like you're gonna want me back at some point. And it's just like what the so fuck creepy. are you doing? He so was, it's weird. Um, he was uh, recently on a podcast. Really? And when I was reading this LA Times article, I was like, who the fuck is having Kevin Spacey <laughs> on their fucking it's podcast? desperate times, man. Uh, and then I re- and then I read it is the German podcast. Oh, okay. And the name of it, I was like, what the fuck podcast is that? It might be a great podcast. It's like Pretzels and Bits or something like that. <laughs> anyway, he, he amazingly compares... Um, He's, like, being empathetic towards people who've lost their jobs during COVID because he's like, I get it. Like, back in 2017, one, you're rich. Two, you definitely caused that yourself. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, like something was taken away from you. Like, I mean, that shit was all on you. Yeah. So, so uncomfortable. Uh, what I, now, watching The Negotiator this time, it, it, he, his performance, it, it made no difference to me. I, I just found myself thinking, like, well, he's not... He's okay in this. It doesn't distract me, but it really solidified him. I was like, God, I fucking love Samuel Jackson. Like, when he's oh, on, he Sam- is the goddamn best. So fucking amazing. And so that was kind of what it is. I was like, this movie, I, this, I like this movie because of Samuel Jackson. It has nothing to do with Kevin Spacey. And it, it is a movie driven by Sam Jackson anyway. Kevin Spacey doesn't even appear until 40, 45 minutes into it yep. and is, you know, playing a second fiddle to the Sam Jackson show on this, which is this very much this is a Sam Jackson show movie. So Tyler, what do you remember about the negotiation? Oh, we forgot about that, didn't we? We got so, segments. We introduced new thing and it's hard, you know? So, we actually did and Angela explains it all. Yeah. What do you remember is the part where we write what we remember. We've barely been talking about the plot. Well you talked about the fumigator, so it really kinda covered some of the It did, but plots. here's what I wrote as far okay. as what I remember. Right. I think I watched this movie. Okay. I think Sam Jackson is the negotiator. <laughs> yeah. But then Dick Weed, Kevin Spacey comes in and something <laughs> happens. I can't remember. Mm. I'm sure Sam Jackson is a badass and Kevin Spacey is a slimy piece of shit. <laughs> Sam Jackson! Yep, there you go. Uh, I did not remember the, the plot line of this accurately nope, at didn't. all. So it failed. Uh, well, Sam Jackson is a hostage negotiator accused of murder. Just like the fumigator. Like nobody asked only to talk to a negotiator outside of his precinct, played by, played now by Christopher Plummer. That's what I wrote down. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that supporting cast, is what I wrote. Listen to Sam Jackson be awesome. Is this our first movie with Kevin or Christopher Plummer for the podcast? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, it is. Officially, yeah. Um, okay. There's a couple things I want to talk about. Uh, well, so you you think you saw this when you start when you started watching it? When did you realize that you had seen it again? Because you you picked up on it pretty immediately. I definitely knew I watched it. I don't know if I watched it in 1998. Oh, I probably spun that DVD for you. I'm pretty certain I watched it in 2002. Yeah, I was like, who got spin the Sam Jackson like, disc? I think you were like, you're not a, a fucking huge fan of Sam Jackson yet. 
let me get you started. I pulled out my, we pulled it out for this episode. It's a one of the very first DVDs with the cardboard with a little plastic flap open. Yeah. It pops open and it's like a double-sided disc, one side full frame, one side widescreen. What I can tell you is mm-hmm. that my dad, yeah, Steve, yeah, cannot handle those DVDs. The, th- the, the flip sides ones? Does he? Well, Don't you remember? He was trying to open one, and he just, like, ripped the whole cardboard. Oh, yeah. Oh, the packaging. You're right. He couldn't figure out. Oh, because they used to put... there's a plastic flap. Oh, my God. You gotta flick the flap and then open the thing. So here's the thing. (laughs) That was a few years... So it must have been an old DVD. I I feel like it was maybe one of mine, because I had a lot of DVDs that weren't open. And see, they used to have a sticker on top, a sticker on the side over that plastic flap, and then a sticker on the... Have you stopped doing that? What? Putting all those stickers oh, on. Oh, it's all just one saran wrap and that, no, they don't put those stickers on. Those there things anymore. were fucking Maybe terrible. at like Best Buy they do, but no. But they really went to town on it. Plus it's shrink wrapped on top of it and it's just like, he couldn't, and it's so, if it, it sits for a couple of years, that, that tape, it ain't coming off very easy. Like super good. So I think it must have been one of my like movies I bought but never opened or whatever for a while and, and it was just it like, was he just, was fucking. It's so comical because he's such a, a skilled, craftsman like he can build and do all this stuff but like he was just like stumped by this dvd case oh it was like a we got it from like a christmas present yeah. it was like and it was just an old D, yeah he and he tried to open it and he couldn't do it, it was super he ripped funny. the fuck out of it sure did anyway unrelated <laughs> got on that tangent he's all fudge sickle i can't get this open <laughs> it's not the word he said <laughs> He used to be like, what the hell? So he was so, what the hell? Goddamn oh, God DVD. <laughs> Piece of shit. Stupid thing. Stupid DVD. <laughs> this, is my, this is your dad. Stupid thing. And, oh, what the hell? What the hell? <laughs> he says what the hell in the most distinct way that I know anybody that says what the hell. He just goes, well, what the hell? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Love it. Anyway. Um, that All that little segment was for your mom, <laughs> who listens to this sometimes. Only if she's seen the movie, oh, so she's, like, she's only listened to, like, 20 episodes. Uh, okay, so that's what I remember. I remember I very obviously saw this in theaters on in that summer. And well, of course it was you did. Good. What I do remember, and it wasn't in the selection, selected uh, commercial that you aired. Oh. But the trailer for this movie. The full trailer, uh-huh. And I believe some of the commercials... Had a bit of trailer, trailer trash on it. Ooh, I do love some trailer trash. Where Kevin Spacey uh, has a line where he goes, now you're going to have to negotiate with both of us. Oh. Yeah. And it made it seem like, oh, so then Sam Jackson has to get negotiated, but then he convinces that negotiator to join his side. Oh. And you're like, oh, shit, that's a crazy twist. And while that kind of happens in the movie, that is not uttered as a no. line. And it he, doesn't really happen. No, he helps him at the end, but there's no, like, against the, not really. Once It's only after, like, the conspiracy has been unraveled a little yes. bit. And even then, he's just, like, reluctantly helping him. <laughs> Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's never like that, but that was kind of like this the little extra like juice they were trying to sell. Like, oh man, not you think it's going to be hard negotiating with one negotiator? Try negotiating with two negotiators, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what were your impressions of this movie? Other than like just so overall, what did I just yeah. general impressions? Yeah. Um. This movie, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, is a very generic cop movie. Sure. Made amazing <laughs> yeah. by Sam Jackson. And a good, just a bench of great character Great actors. side actors. Right. And what I appreciated about it was, and I may be totally wrong in my take on this, but okay. it felt like a, a movie that was written for white guys. 
<laughs> and then it was just like Sam Jackson got the role. It's what it felt like. And it is because sometimes. What do you mean by that, though? I mean, it doesn't feel like it was written for like the, the, the black lead character does this typical black thing. It just felt like a regular cop role. And the reason I say that was because I feel like if this this story almost can't exist in today's America, where it's like, if there's a black man accused of fucking murder who's threatening to kill someone, he's going to be shot and killed. Like, mm. like this doesn't exist. This storyline doesn't happen in America. So but you're it does saying, happen like, if the dude's white. Okay. So you're saying that, like, he is afforded opportunities in this movie that, like, in the real world yes. would not be afforded to... Even, even, and I may be totally just being racist. That may be what's happening. But I don't feel like in 1998 even, and he'd had a career, so I can't imagine in the 80s and 90s that, like, the best negotiator would be a black guy. Because there's so many white racist fuckers out there that, like, they're not gonna listen to some black guy. They're not gonna, That's not gonna be a thing. I see what you're saying. So you're saying that... I'm saying both for like the character and then also just like how it was written. You, are you saying there's no black negotiators in the country? I, I I find it like the fact that he was like the best. Well, yeah, but he's the best because he's Sam Jackson. I know, but I think I feel like if there are if there were really successful black negotiators in the 80s and 90s, that's impressive. Why? Because there's so many racist people. So do you think that when they show up on a crime scene, they're like, maybe they try to like, uh, you know, make sure that if it's a white fucking hick. I'm trying to help you because what I'm trying to make, you are saying that uh, the culture now and the culture in the 90s was is a, a racist white supremacist culture. Yes. Okay. And you're not saying like you, because... I'm just I'm just trying to help you because I don't want it to can be construed that you're just being like well, a black guy can't be the negotiator. Oh no, I think <laughs> a black man could definitely be the negotiator. I don't know how effective he would be in racist America. In racist America, you're thinking that the racist white man wouldn't bother talking to him. Is that yes. what you're saying? Okay. Which so, it's funny because in the first scene when they're talking to like talking a guy down, is it a white guy? Yeah, it is. I just like that character in him. I just don't I don't buy it. Well, um... But maybe I'm a racist. Yeah, I mean, and how are you racist? I don't know. I'm making assumptions about people based on race, so I'm racist. You're Well, you're saying that all the people of America are too racist to accept probably. black people in any kind of skilled profession. Probably. I mean, that's probably a little extreme. <laughs> uh, yeah. Your your own personal white guilt has gone well far <laughs> off the spectrum. You're just okay. like, you have no faith in any white person okay. on the planet. So that topic aside, though, okay. I feel like it was written for, like, a white guy. Which it probably was. Well, you know, that's an interesting take because there's not a lot of... It, it's kind of... It, it speaks to an issue that is, I think, still an issue of just like an assumption of casting, right? Well, our A-listers are X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And on that list would be Denzel Washington, right? You could totally see Denzel Washington is because Denzel Washington in my opinion, is probably the most bank... I mean, just pound for pound for the last 30 years. Look at the box office. Look sure. at the projects. I tell you, and I would argue that Denzel Washington is your most consistent box office draw for 30 years. He's in his own category, yeah. right? But then after that, the list is pretty white-dominated, right? Yes. Especially during the 90s, right? Take Denzel Washington off the list. The next 15 guys are white guys, yeah. right? So... 
this is a project that's definitely like we need to get an A-lister, right? And that's who it is. And, you know, maybe Denzel Washington was on that list at some point. Who knows? He's a busy guy. He can't do every project. Sam Jackson's pretty hot still from 1994 in Pulp Fiction. He's just kind of writing up. He happens to be also be a great actor. Um, he's definitely going to be less expensive than Denzel Washington, I would imagine, because Denzel Washington has been, uh, you know, on top of his game for a long time. So, on one hand, I love that this is a movie that is Sam Jackson, and it is just like, it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the the color of the guy's skin is. Right. This movie plays, and it gets the right, the good actor for the part, and that's great. Right? Right. And I think that's a great thing, and there should be more of that, and there's still not that, right? We still don't have that right now. On the other hand, we live in a culture now where we are scrutinizing and looking at our police forces and how we utilize them and use them and how that plays into the African-American community. And it feels like if you're going to make that movie now, you almost want it to kind of address some of these issues, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it feels like it's not... It's missing an opportunity to say something, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of this weird thing where I'm of two minds. On one hand, I'm like, I like that it's just this popcorn movie that has a black lead, and that's great, and we should have more of that. But on the other hand, I'm like, here's an opportunity where we can actually talk about like police brutality, brutality and we could talk about how race plays into that, and how maybe a, a black cop might not be treated the same way as a white cop. And there's an opportunity there, right? This movie's not interested in that. It's no. just a movie where the, Sam Jackson gets to yell a bunch, <laughs> right? And and that's what it is. And so I, I like it for what it is, and I think that's good for the 90s, but I think we're just kind of in a different time now. Sure. And, and maybe it's because we've been watching Watchmen, and we've watched, like... Uh, which is a, a show very specifically about <laughs> a black woman on a police force and what that means. And a black man. And what her personal and what her personal history means to being in law enforcement, right? Yeah. So you yeah, you're definitely looking at the negotiator a show we watched before we watched Watchmen yeah. through the lens of Watchmen now, which is yes. interesting. Don't get me wrong. It's just like I don't know if it's necessarily fair to the negotiator. True. And even like a show like Brooklyn Nine Nine where like the the captain is black and the sergeant is black, but they they talk about like their own struggles back in the day like yeah you know the captain talks about like being black and then also being gay but and that's of not being accepted so it's like this it just felt like it, this isn't based in a, in a realistic precinct and i like um in chicago in for the negotiator yeah and it's interesting they bring that up because i think that before well i mean there's been a discussion about what brooklyn 99 is going to do I think Terry Crews and Andy Samberg and, and a couple other people from that show is like, well, we threw out some scripts because we want to actually address something based on what this culture, our country has done as a response to how we feel about police forces, right? And I'm of two minds about that. I'm like, that's a great opportunity for a comedy show to maybe address that. Who knows if they're ever going to be able to go back to film because sure. we're in a fucking shambles right now. But maybe in like a year. But the other hand of that is, is that, well, that's a show about like a really positive depiction of law enforcement and, and isn't that good don't we want to see what an ideal functioning police chief would do who is compassionate about the people who are there i mean that show is very much not about them being aggressive or for overly forced for rosa well but no but she's but they're not how many people get killed on the show not a lot of people they yeah. don't kill a lot of perps on the show almost no. never yeah. i would say they've never done it even maybe occasionally but it's, you know, it's a very, it, it's more of a, 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 maybe it's idealistic, but maybe it is something to strive for. Like, mm -hmm. this is a good thing, right? And I know it's a comedy series and the whole intent is for it to be funny and charming and fun to watch, but there's a conversation to be had there. 
the negotiator what's odd about it is that the undertones you could see that right i mean because they do so not the re- basic I'm not really though not like race undertones but you wonder about it More a little like bit. More like hot shot under. I find the the most unrealistic thing about this that I I find is that everybody in this precinct is pretty quick to just kind of be like, we don't know what to think. We think you might be guilty of murdering this guy that you know, and it is a little odd. And Sam Jackson's baffled by it, and I'm frankly a little baffled by it too. I'm just like, where are they getting this from? Like, it doesn't like there's not black. And I know they find documents and they find this other stuff, but it's very much like not. Or is it because it's like. It's like Chicago police, and there's a history of like dirty cops. I I That's find more like what I was. I almost find the fact that it's Sam Jackson. I find it more uncomfortable. I find it more infuriating that they're just like so quick to just assume that he's killed his partner when we we know that he hasn't. Oh, it's just like the fugitive. It is, and then and then you have to you, know, you have to keep reminding yourself like this is this is a movie that we they've done several times. There's nothing that's particularly original about this. It's a hostage movie, blah, 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 blah. It's not, doesn't have these things on its mind, but see when it's 2020, everything gets colored a little bit differently, especially a cop played by David Morris in this movie. He is what I would characterize as, I mean, just real quick, Sam Jackson, his partner, he's investigating uh, the pension fund for the precinct. There's some irregularities, Partner gets killed. Sam Jackson gets accused of it. Ends up holding the DA's office guy, J.T. Walsh, and whoever's in the office hostage the to prove I, his innocence. The IA because he thinks, oh yeah, the IA. He they think that whatever, that guy's yeah. he thinks that guy's dirty and that they're covering something up, so he holds them hostage. Right. So there, we meet his whole precinct of people. One of them is uh, his his main person in command is John Spencer. Above him is Ron Rifkin. Another guy that's kind of like on the level is David Morse. And he is what you would call the red herring, like just the classic red herring. You let, you know that this guy's like not really the bad guy, big guy, bad guy, because they keep like saying like, that guy's bad. Because you immediately fucking hate him and you immediately think he's a piece of shit. So he's got to be the bad guy. But so you know my, he's obviously not the bad guy. So he's not the bad guy, right? But my God, he spends the whole movie being like, Everything that every protest in this country has been about in terms of what is the definition of a bad fucking cop. Because this guy is just like, uh, we'll just go we'll just take the shot real quick. We'll just, let's, we're going to run it and we're going to kill him. It's fine. We're very just trigger kill him. happy. Doesn't care about loss of life. Nope. Yeah. Pushing the whole time. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, like this guy should be off the force. Like right now he's cut off just a hyper terrible attitude toward violence. Yeah. He he's wants always to wants to like murder, 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 yeah. murder, murder, murder. And that was what I thought was like, he's not just the dick now. He's just like, oh, that's like what the problem is in the oh, country. Got it. Yeah. That guy. That guy's mm-hmm. shitty. We need to get rid of that cop. These guys, mm-hmm. they're cool. That guy, shitty. Mm-hmm. Right? So I get Creating that. Creating a culture of. Yeah, so, I mean, that's interesting, but again, the movie doesn't have a lot to say about race, and maybe that's disappointing, but on the other hand, it's an opportunity for Sam Jackson to just kind of yell No, in a a little bit of a way, for 1998, I liked that it wasn't like, he's black, therefore he must be the bad cop. Like, I liked that it didn't attempt to make it about race, because I don't feel like that... This movie it could, could be have very preachy it. and it could have been gone off oh, the wayside, right? It could right? have been terrible. And so now you, I mean, it, it's just a weird movie now because it, it's only 22 years old, but now it's been colored by 
recent events. It's been colored by the fact that the second lead is Kevin Spacey. There's, you know, it's also colored by the fact that there are like two pretty well, pretty beloved character actors who are now dead in the movie. You know, J.T. Walsh and John Spencer. There's a lot of things going on here when you watch it. Now, did you catch in the beginning um, a couple things? Uh, In the first negotiation, right at the opening of the movie, Sam Jackson is talking to the guy named Omar, and he goes, he's talking to him. I go, I can dig it, Omar. Does that you say that all the time? I've been saying that for twenty years to the point. What the fuck, Tyler? To the point where, (laughs) up until this recent rewatch, I did not remember where it came from. (laughs) And I was like, Did you know that it was a Sam Jackson thing? Nope. (laughs) I can dig it, Omar. I thought it was from. I didn't know where it was from. I just that's what I always said. And it was great to be like, oh yeah, that's from this movie. I've been saying that for twenty years. Oh my god, that's so funny. (laughs) Because I just say it in uh, random, just very random time periods. The other notable thing about the beginning of the movie is that the movie lines you up the bat, like the three bad cops, like the dirty cops, really that are in their little group, are lined up right in the beginning for you to see. And Sam Jackson even says their name in the same order as they say it later in the movie to make you be like, oh, yeah, those guys are on the team. But it is... Um... Because I kept asking you throughout the movie, because, you know, we know how it's going to end. Right. I kept asking you, like, is that the bad guy? Is he the bad guy? Is that one of the bad guys? Because I couldn't remember their names or keep track of And the problem the is, is that it's really... You, you, they they are so introduced so briefly yeah. that you don't know them unless you're me, and they have to be lined up exactly in the right order, yep. and it's Hellman, Allen, and Argento. And Sam Jackson says, like, Hellman, Allen, Argento, you go here, here, here. And they, he, the beginning of the movie, they set this up because they use those same names in a row. But see, I couldn't tell you, other than the guy that's like at the end who goes, fuck you! Yeah. Fuck you! I don't know what the other two guys look like. No. <laughs> so forgettable. Yeah, and That's so... That's why it's not like a shock at the end, because you're like, who the fuck are they? Now, there is one more, right. but, I mean, if you're... Listen, if you're a fan of Alias, <laughs> you kind of know that Ron Rifkin might be playing a bad guy. Yeah. You're not, like, shocked <laughs> he by He tends that. to play a bad... You know, it just, he's got a little bad guy way about him, right? He's got some bad guy vibe. Yeah, okay, so the other weird thing in the early part of the movie that I do need to talk about, and we can talk in generalities after this, is uh, there's a sequence where we're supposed to kind of get to know how the precinct works, how these guys operate together, how they're friends, blah, blah, blah. They go to a bar. Oh, yes, the bar scene right after the first successful negotiation. And Sam Jackson and all the other people, John Spencer, et cetera, et cetera, they're doing a dance. They're doing a dance oh, to God, a song about this. called Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> uh, speaking of racist shit. Is that a racist? I don't know. I don't know. About it Eye sounds Joe. racist. But I don't know anything about that. But it's uh it's, it's that It's Cotton Eye Joe. But it's that be- it's the dancey one. something with cotton, you got to be careful. <laughs> Maybe. But it's that, you know, it was a it's a wedding staple, right? And it's a uh, uh I don't. I don't want to play. I don't want to pay those people anything. Oh, I'm just typing. Is Cotton Eye Joe racist? <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> it's see so hard. The, see what hey, the internet says. Hey, Angie, don't you think it's so? Let's talk about for ten minutes about how hard it is to be white in 2020. We don't know what we're supposed to say or what's racist. Isn't it really hard to be white in 2020? So I'm not going to answer that because I'm not <laughs> white totally. So I'm sure you're not. Um, Thanks, Dad. But no, this is fun uh, because it is. They're doing like a line dance to like what is a I don't know if this is the dance to Cotton Eye Joe. Now, does Cotton Eye Joe have a dance, a specific dance like the one wedding song does, or are they just like doing their own dance to Cotton Eye Joe? I am not a Cotton Eye Joe expert, so I can't. I don't like the song, and that this clouds some of this for me. But it is maybe the most I, I think. Listen, 
I know a lot of people think that maybe Sam Jackson is maybe one or two notes. I personally, over his career, is I think he is a very dynamic actor capable of doing all sorts of things. There is one thing that I do not think he can do effectively, and that is dance to fucking Cotton Eye Joe. It is just something that I I can never unsee, mm-hmm. and it's something that I'm just like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Like it just is so weird to see Sam Jackson dancing to this lame ass song because mm-hmm. I just don't buy it. I don't buy that Sam Jackson is lame in any car- like I'm that, and maybe that's a limitation to who he can play because maybe he can't play a guy who's lame because this is only a song that a lame guy would dance to. I I mean, I'm more likely to dance to this song because I'm definitely lamer than Sam Jackson, is all I'm saying. Okay, so this song's definitely racist. Is it? Okay. And, and I'm, okay, so I should have read this, but I forgot about this. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm just going to say that it is because it's an actual, it is a song that was like a folk song like a hundred years ago. mm and so the Huff- Huffington Post, there's, like, an article where they kind of, like, investigated, like, they had questions about the song. Like, where did it come from? Huffington Post. Mm, that's not a real That's outlet. leftist. So, according to uh, this lady who's a Texas-born folklorist, the ballad, in quotations, is an authentic slavery time song. Slavery? Is it, a, like, a, a song sung by civil, slaves? Predating the Civil War. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you talk a little bit. I don't... No, I, that, I don't... I, I'm i surprised by... I mean, that doesn't... I mean, that doesn't surprise me, I guess. I just find that very odd that this is, was a hit song. The air and some of the words were given by my sister, Mrs. George Scarborough, as learned from the Negroes on a plantation in Texas, and other parts by an old man in Louisiana, who sang it to the same tune. He said he had known it from his earliest childhood and had heard the slaves sing it on plantations. Wow. So it's been repurposed. Interesting. In popular culture. Well, I hate it, and I wish it was out of the movie. <laughs> Mostly because I think the song is lame. But it's also very weird to see everybody dancing in that scene. And this so, is the scene on. where David this Morris is This is where it's super racist. I just got to share this one last okay. thing, and then I'll right. stop talking about it. The version that this lady documents includes outrageous descriptions of Joe as a man who ran away with the pretty black woman whom the narrator loved. Joe's teeth was out, nose was flat, and eyes was crossed. The narrator sings, painting a cringeworthy caricature of to by today's dance. So is this movie like commenting on that at all, or are they just dancing to it? I they're just dancing to it because it's popular, like dance. It was a popular song in 1998. I feel like that's the only yeah. reason it's in there. Yeah, God, it, it's it, weird. It, it, in 1995, they released the okay the new version of this. So. Uh, you know, he takes people hostage, including Paul Giamatti, and they're trying to get to the bottom of this. He calls in Kevin Spacey because he's in a different priest bank. He doesn't trust. The, obviously, there's some dirty people over there. And man, once Sam Jackson gets into this situation is where you really get, like, some of the... You know how I used to like to play that Sam Jackson sound card? Yes. Uh, and we've tried to find it. It's, it doesn't it's exist. Now. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's just like, you know, it's all the best Sam Jackson yelling stuff, right? Well, there's like six or seven from that famous, it's not famous, but that sound card, that are just, uh, you know, from the negotiator. Because he really gets to yell, like, you are not in control! But he yes. yells it in, like, the Samuel Jackson yes. oh, way. Uh, I wrote down a few of my favorite ones. Um, that's a great one. Oh, oh, when they're, like, they break the window, because David Morris is constantly trying to fucking shoot him, right? And he's just like, 
And he pops out of them and he goes, I'm still alive, motherfucker. Like, that one's pretty oh, good. Oh, yeah. You want one. my blood? Take my blood. Take it. Love that. God, so good. So good. You are not in control. That's a good one. I'm not going to jail today. It's all good fucking <laughs> Sam Jackson shit. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and then, of course, uh, oh, you knew Nate was investigating the fun and you killed him. <laughs> Good stuff. Pretty much everything he says when he opens his mouth. You can't talk me down. This is great stuff. Oh god, it's fucking great. Um, the best scene in the movie. Do you? You would probably agree. There's a guy on the for, on the team named Farley, and they're waiting for Kevin uh, Christopher Plummer to get there, right? So uh, Farley's got to call him up, and he's like, "Oh, my, get on the phone and see if we can get some movement on here." And Farley is like, he's nervous. He can't talk to Sam Jackson. He's the greatest negotiator in the world, or whatever, right? So he fucking is. Sam Jack it's a weird scene in that like Sam Jackson decides to have fun in this very dire situation, but he just is very tickled to like fuck with this guy to the point where like some of the other people in the precinct are laughing at this whole scenario. And it, it's super unrealistic, but man, it's just like a fucking great like Sam Jackson fucking with the stupid guy. Oh, so funny. Yeah, he sucks so bad at negotiating, he's like telling him to like you can't tell me no. You tell me no. And people start dying because you don't tell someone no. You have to, like, say a way around. He's like, oh, do you ever, like, uh, did I fuck your wife or whatever? And he's just like, oh, I'll get right on that. I'll check on that. He's like, oh, that's good, Farley. Don't tell me no. <laughs> <laughs> but he's so bad. You dress up as, like, a little schoolgirl. I don't know. Some of that was a little bit, like, questionable 1998 content. But, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You ever cheat on your wife, Farley? Don't say no. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you ever get your ass spanked? That's what he asked him. Sure. <laughs> You can't talk me down. Uh, you know, oh, he's like, oh, he's like, oh, just relax a little bit. He's like, he's like, I'm, re-, this is Sam Jackson, another great line. I'm relaxed. I'm very fucking relaxed. <laughs> yeah. What I'm thinking here is mm-hmm. that, like, was that written for Sam Jackson? Because I'm thinking, like, a Harrison Ford actor can't, no, can't pull this, this is off. A, this is a Sam Jackson. Like, when you hire Sam Jackson, this yeah. scene gets added. Yeah. Right? Because yes. it's just like, oh no, you got to give this time where he just fucking go. Maybe not. I don't know. I it, we I guess there's not a lot of detail necessarily on like the casting process on this movie, no. so it's hard to say. But yeah, and then it, it's capped off with. So Paul Giamatti is just a, a guy who's in the office when this happens, and he gets happens to be held hostage, right? And he's just a like previous snitch for them. He's just a he's a sniveling the Paul Giamatti of before he like got like. Oscar nominations and shit like that, right? I like Paul Giamatti, but, like, it's just one of these, like, sniveling Paul Giamatti roles. But, man, is he good at playing sniveling little uh, guys, right? So he's just, like, uh, after he tries to... Farley gets him, he said no to him, so he fires his gun off, and they all are suddenly super scared, like, oh, he fires his gun or whatever, and he hands the phone over to Giamatti, and he's just like, yeah, we're all fine, but just don't 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 be saying no no more, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah, great. Um, uh, speaking Paul of Paul Giamatti, mm-hmm. let's do a little tea time because I need a quick refill. Oh God, okay. Tea time with Tyler, where you need to do something while I fill up my tea. Oh no, okay. Name as many movies as you can with Paul Giamatti. I, you know, I was just worried about you were going to do this, and I'm going to space like Sideways. This is a great one. Cinderella Man, uh, 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 Amazing Spider Man Two, <laughs> the Rhino for like a minute. Oh my God. Oh my God, it's terrible. Oh, fucking Paul Giamatti. He's in so many things. Isn't he uh, Adams? An Adams? He played John Adams on a television show. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, that was an HBO series. He did that. Uh, oh, my God. More Giamatti. Who's in... Oh, oh uh, American Splendor is a movie I really like with him. He's the lead of that. Uh, that's a good one. 
Um, mm, you kind of sucked at that. I did. I got kind of his big ones, but nothing beyond that. I'd love you to hear. Sucked at that. He got Oscar nominated for Cinderella Man. He should have been nominated for Sideways. He should have been nominated for American Splendor. He only uh, has 110 credits. <laughs> you didn't even get like five. You only gave me like five minutes, but or a minute, like 30 seconds. <laughs> What's that? 30 that seconds. Again? What's his uh, four? Oh, he's briefly in. No, is 12 he? Years a Slave? He's briefly in. I don't even remember that. That's a good movie, but. Um, what's his other ones on there? There's top four Sideways. Uh, Sideways, which you got Cinderella Man, yeah. American Splendor, 12 Years a Slave. Okay, so I got like the main three that everybody knows Paul Giamatti in. He's the rhino in Amazing Spider Man 2. It's hilariously awful. Yeah, he's not in a lot of movies that you actually know. Well, go down. Go, go past The Negotiator. I have. Okay, give me the names. Uh oh, man on the moon. Yeah, that's good. Oh, he plays. Yeah, he's good in that. He plays Bob's Muda. Yeah, he's in quite a bit of that. Planet of the Apes. <laughs> he was an ape in that Tim Burton one, right? Two thousand one. Sure. It, yep, two thousand one. Oh man. <laughs> uh, a lot of these I don't know. Paycheck. <laughs> that's the Ben Affleck terrible movie. Uh, Robo- John Woo. Oh, voice, voice. The hawk is dying. Mm. The illusionist. Oh yeah. Oh, that's he was in the other. Uh, he was the. He was in the rival, the Prestige versus the Illusionist. He was yep. in the Ed Norton Illusionist. Yes, Lady in the Water. <laughs> oh, can I forget Lady in the Water? The M Night Shyamalan uh, joint. Fred Claus. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, these. I mean, he's not been. He's, he's not bad in that. It's just not a good movie. There, Kevin Spacey's in that. Duplicity. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Clive Owen, right with Julia Roberts. Yep, that sounds right. Yeah. Oh uh, man. The Hangover Part Two. I don't remember him in that. That was in 2011. That can't be right. I don't remember those other. I saw. I remember the Hangover one. I don't remember the other. Rock two. of Ages. <laughs> oh fuck! The movie's terrible. Oh, I thought you liked that movie. Twelve Years a nope. Slave, Romeo and Juliet, the 2013 version. <laughs> what is that one? I don't think I saw that one. The Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah, I got that one. <laughs> Madame Bovary. <laughs> huh. Uh, well, there you go. Uh, not a lot. Maybe it's because he's been in. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well. Let's see what he's doing, working on right now. He's on Billions. San Andreas 2. Oh, you told me a movie. Oh, yeah, he was in San Andreas. You told me movies. I know he's on, like, that show Billions right now. He's on Billions. 60 episodes. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. He's done from TV. That's the thing. That's a lot. Anyway, um, okay. Yeah, okay. So, oh, the, I will talk about one great uh, Giamatti, the other G- great Giamatti moment in the movie. Okay. Is that they do get access to the computer, because they shut the power off, but then he gets the power back on. He sends Mr. Computer Wiz, Paul Giamatti, to the computer to look at uh, J.T. Walsh's uh, computer to see if he's been framed, right? Or look up the who the informants are in the situation. And this uh, uh, code expert, they, you know, they have to look up the – can't get past the password area. And then the uh, – Edgar the assistant. Just, the assistant gives him that. But, like, it's just one of these great uh, 90s moments where the computer expert is, like, he's basically hunting and pecking the keys. <laughs> like, like he did not take typing class in no. eighth grade like we did as millennials. And it's very loud. It's like, <laughs> everyone. Mm-hmm. He's either very frustrated or he's looking for the keys every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. It's, like, really good. Really good choice as an actor. You're a computer whiz. You can hack stuff, but you don't know how to type. So that's yep, good. That checks out. Um, yeah. So, you know, the only thing that I would say, let me ask you. There's a sequence where Sam Jackson, because he's always following the rules of like what how he what's a good about being a negotiator is you know how it's going to work. So he's able to get rid of all the cameras really fast. He knows yep. where to secure everything. He knows what they're going to shut off. He knows all of the stuff that they're going to do, the process, right? Kevin Spacey tries to throw him a loop by, like, trying to 
He lies about finding the informant to try to get the thing ended. He tries a couple different tactics to kind of switch yep. it off. But the main one that Sam Jackson tries to utilize to kind of prove that he biz- means business is that he, when they when they try to breach, he's able to grab two of the guards and holds them hostage as well. And he pretends to kill one of them. Yep. But you don't know that they're pre- pretending. You just don't see him do it. Yep. He takes him to an office and he shoots him off scene. But everybody else has assumed that he's killed this person. Now, what do you think about this? Did you, Were you ever convinced that he actually killed him? And what does that matter? Because then he is actually is a murderer, so what's the point? Like, it seems like an odd choice. If he's trying to get to the bottom of things, they have to think that he's... But they have to I mean he means business. definitely didn't buy it. Anytime they don't show it to you in a movie, you can't buy it. And it wasn't like a character you were mad at. So it wasn't like a justified killing either. It was just like some guy. Some guy who came in and he was like, you try to kill me, I'll kill you or whatever. That was what he tried to, like, sell, right? Yeah. But, and you don't, and now when we say that you don't have to, you didn't show it, sometimes you don't have to graphically show someone getting shot, but you usually have to have a scene where like they're dragging a body or there's something yes. that, there's no indication that he's done anything besides like shot off a fake round and like covered his mouth. Yep. So it's always apparent to us anyway that it doesn't seem like he would do that. Which they wanted to, you, they want you to still like this protagonist. I think it would have been better to just like let us see him do that mm-hmm. and then act like it to the other people. Like, I don't, like, I would rather see the mechanizations of him working his brain rather than getting, like, some kind of fake out with that. Yeah. I think it was kind of a cheap theatric on, on two ends. Because we're already with him as the audience. So you don't we need know to he's innocent. Us, you don't need to put us in the shoes of the, of the cops. Like, no, it switches the perspective. It's just like, well, no, we don't know. I mean, and so then, and, and if he really did do that, then why do we care? Now he's actually killed a guy. Yeah, right? no, fuck him. And yeah. yes, they did come in and try to shoot him, but it, he's still bound. It would, it's an unjustified yeah. killing in that and moment. It's a cop. Like, he just killed a cop? I don't think so. Yeah, it's, so it's a very odd uh, choice in that regard. So, question for you. Mm-hmm. When you saw this in 1998, yeah. did you ever question who the movie was referring to as the negotiator? No. Because uh, the movie is very clearly about Samuel Jackson, the negotiator, and while there is a second negotiator that comes in, the story is never about his story. It's about him serving the story of trying to solve this thing. And so while it is Plummer's uh, <laughs> plan ultimately at the end that reveals the big bad, the one final big bad um, – it's made on the fly when they're just in the house, right? Because they do, he does manage to get, um, Plummer realizes that there's been a few breaches that we seem. We can use his character name if that <laughs> would be better for you. Yeah. He re- begins to, Jackson keeps pointing, Sam Jackson keeps pointing this out to him. He's just like, don't you think it's odd that they Sabian. went a- Crazy. They they go against they go they go behind your back they keep you know you're supposed to be in charge but they keep trying to breach don't you think like something's going on here and that that's what cues him into like eventually help him kind of escape and sneak out after he shows him that he didn't kill the the cop that came in right because what we do learn is that J T Walsh did take a payment he admits this but um he took a payment a one time payment from Hellman Allen and Argento. Uh-huh. But there's someone else that's doing the mechanization. So Sam Jackson knows there's still one more person. And then he also shows uh, Sabian 
that when they did breach the second time, because there's multiple breaches in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, they put three in the chest, right in the chest of JT Walsh. Like, it's not an accidental shooting. Well, they very, they very clearly assassinated him from what he was going to talk. And they broke the computer. They deliberately shot the computer. Yeah. So there's no evidence now that Sam Jackson's been set up. Yep. And so he shows Sabian in these things. I was like, look, they put three in his chest. That's a, a, yeah. that's an assassination. That's an innocent bystander whoopsie fire. And that's yeah. what convinces him to go and take him to the house where they have this final standoff where they don't actually find any uh information any information uh they have to they have to pull the switcheroo it's such a good final scene it is now the question is is like riff the other thing that's weird is that ron rifkin who does turn out to be the big bad guy is initially uh held hostage he's mm-hmm. in the office with the group with the group and he gets traded for the Sam power jackson being on. lets him go so clearly not even suspecting the him. question is is like when do you think Sam Jackson thinks that that's the guy that he he's the one that is the the one that's been setting him up. I don't think until he realizes that his partner was the informant. Because there is a sequence where he's st- he he's asking him questions before he releases him, and he there's something going on with Sam Jackson that he's a good actor. So I don't know if it's just him interpreting something or if it's like meant to be that mm-hmm. in the script, where he kind of like pauses on him and is just like. But then why would he release him, I guess, would be the question that I would have. So I don't think he knows then. Mm-mm. Maybe he's he's suspicious of everybody, I guess. But maybe not enough to hold on to him? Not sure. He's also just the witness that he happens to hold on to when uh, Sabian needs an exchange. So he's just like, fine, I guess take this one. Because <laughs> he doesn't, you know, his plan is not hinge on a, a particular other than uh, J.T. Walsh. He needs J.T. Walsh, doesn't really need anybody else there. Yeah. So you think he's once he realizes that his partner was the informant, that's when you begin to think that he thinks that there's someone it else sort in charge. Doesn't sort of reveal it in the movie when he gets the aha. Okay, because it kind of like it plays it as like when Ron Rifkin walks into the house, you're just like, oh, why is he there earlier than everybody else, other than Hellman, Allen, Argento, all in a row? Fuck you, okay? Fuck you. That's that. That's is that Hellman? Is that Allen? Is Argento? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who that is, but so then, you know, here's the situation. Now, Kevin Spacey is acting like he's going to sell information on disc. He just grabs two random discs, and they basically, like, trick Ron Rifkin into, like, admitting a plan while they have the walkie-talkies on. (laughs) Yes, 1998, I love you. Walkie-talkies. It's not a cell phone, bitches. It's a walkie. And this is an example. I mean, there's lots of examples of this where it's such a standard plot, and it's just like, oh, the bad guy's going to, like, incriminate himself by talking too much. It is satisfying, though. It's satisfying because I would, again, argue it's just elevated by great actors all around. Ron Rifkin is great at bling, like a slimy guy who's going to connive his way out of anything, right? Um, And the way this plan works the best is that he... He only is able to convince Ron Rifkin that he's going to turn bad by shooting Sam Jackson. He yep. shoots him. And yep. Now, granted, he shoots him somewhere and then, in like... In a non-lethal location okay, on there's the a line. It's like, aren't you glad... Aren't, don't you prefer that I shot you instead of him? He's just like, yeah, yeah. But, like, how... <laughs> he's a real good shot, babe. I guess. But it seems like a risky endeavor. And he doesn't, like, nudge, like, hey, Sam Jackson, I'm going to shoot you. No, Play he does. kind of a little bit, I guess. He definitely does with that famous line of the the Shane, the movie Shane. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, because the he earlier... He definitely nudges like, I'm gonna shoot you, you need to pretend to be dead the, with the, the line. The diet, he, they actor, because earlier when they talk, when he, he gets up, he he's talking about, I like westerns where the, the hero 
lives at the end or whatever. He's like, well, yeah, Shane. Shane Sam Jackson thinks that Shane died at the end. He's like, no, that's a famous misunderstanding. He died in the end or whatever. And so that's set up for this. So uh, then Sabian flips it yeah. and it has a line of like... Sorry, we watched this three weeks ago. I think you're right. <laughs> Shane definitely died at the end. Yeah. As like a, hey, fucker, we're going to do a thing here. Wink, 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 wink. If it were, if it were me, I'd be like... What the fuck? You changed your opinion on this now? You you convinced like, me that Shane. Happening? You convinced me that Shane was a you know. Now I'm like, what the fuck? We talked about this. I would be like boom, confused. Dead. I would be like, so you shoot me, I'd be on the ground, I'd be like, wait, like I'd be holding, like, ah, you shot me. Yeah, what are you trying to say about Shane? Because you thought that it was like a thing, and now you're, I'm confused. I, I'd blow it. I don't think I'd be savvy enough to. to... Fudgicles, you shot me. Did you not use? I think you used fudgicles. I did, before. but it was just fun. <laughs> As if you would ever say, not the actual F-bomb. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Fuck sickles. I was hoping that you would say fudge sickles and, and, as a replacement for one of your many, many F-words. What the F fudge sickles? That you drop. I, yeah, I don't know. I, this is all I, uh, all I had, except for the fact that, again, at the end, the one part, of, the other annoying part of the movie is, like, David Morse comes out. And he's just like, everybody out of the way. We got a we got a down cop in here. Like all of a sudden he's like protecting Sam Jackson. I'm like fuck you. You tried to kill me like four different times. Like you are a bad. You need an internal investigation, sir. You are a bad officer. And that was my other question. How long is Sam Jackson going to jail? Because he held people hostage. He committed some crimes. There are and the police resources, the city taxpayer resources that have been committed on here. I mean, there's a massive area where they blocked off city roads. I don't know. I feel like as we learned in The Fugitive that it's it's fine. If you're trying to prove your innocence, you get a free pass and you're innocent. Is that really how it works? As long as you as long as no one gets killed. I feel like if you because he broke several laws though. He did, but only they're justified. You think those two FBI dicks that show up that like they are oddly like never. You had a comment about one of them. You thought one of them looked they look very like a strange. fucking alien. <laughs> the two FBI guys that are like just lurking in the back are fucking aliens. You thought there's a whole different thing going on in this yeah, movie. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is fucking early Men in Black shit right here. It, yeah, well, and Men in Black came before this movie, but. Or, oh. it was 97. I don't know what years are. <laughs> anyway, they themselves look that like That actress is in it, though. You're right. You kept making comments like, what is with these guys? Why do they look they're so like weird? They're, like, creepy, like, they don't say anything, and then they're, like, whisper, whisper, whisper. And they, like, look creepy. They're pale. And, I just feel ugh. like they're they're stringing Sam Jackson up on federal charges for fucking up that building. Nah, you don't not, think? No. No, they got a, they got a, they got too much other shit to deal with. They've got all these with other dirty cops. Dirt, yeah, they've got all these other dirty. Now that's the other question I have, real quick, before we wrap it up. They insinuate twice in this movie. There is this, this weird game this movie's trying to play that Sam Jackson he might be a killer because when they stop the first uh, negotiation. He gets uh, Omar down, and he's just, like, holding the gun real intent, and he's fucking angry. Because he had, like, a, he was holding a kid hostage, and he was very clearly, like, upset by this, right? And they have to, like, take the gun away from him, right? So that's, like, a thing of, like, ooh, he's intense. And, you know, it's Sam Jackson giving you those fucking, his big, you know, he can get those big eyes at you and get real intense, right? So they do it again here at the end where he's just, like, he's got the gun. He grabs the gun off the ground, and he's going to about to shoot uh, Ron Rifkin, then he just decides to hand the gun to John Spencer. Well, what's the deal with this? Like, are we supposed to think that he's actually going to kill him in that moment? No, but he's very fucking mad. Okay, but... <laughs> it's just a show, like, he mad. You would get... He would definitely get charged for that murder. Because he was definitely, yeah. like, uh... Yeah, but it, he didn't murder him. He just was mad. 
but pointed a gun at him. He didn't even really. I mean, he kind of like grabbed the gun and he kind of like twirled it to John Spencer, which is like. And John Spencer's real good. I'll tell you, one of the best things that John Spencer was always the best at was just kind of like reacting intensely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't have to really say anything. He's just like staring at, like, oh, what do you, what do you do? Oh, okay, I got it. Or oh, you know, it's yeah, just like oh, totally. it's it's my the only way I can do it in audio form is like oh. <laughs> I don't think that came out the way you wanted it. Oh, 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 oh! But he never, never vocalized. That's all on his face. Just like oh, mm-hmm. oh, that's I'm serious about this. Yes, he's great at that. Um, the, he's great in The Rock too, right? He's just like in The Rock a little bit as like the cop. Oh yeah, he gets his arm broken by Sean Connery, right? I do not remember that specific scene, but okay. He broke his arm. Throws him off the that. in the San Francisco scene. I do not remember that. Where the Yes Dear guy is playing the hairstyle. We should watch this movie for yeah. the podcast. <laughs> so we can just talk about that one scene where uh, Nick Cage talks to a guy who's like, oh man, you fucked up your Ferrari. Oh and Nick God, Cage goes, it's not mine. And that guy laughs and he takes his motorbike. God, that movie's cool. <laughs> um, before we finish up. Uh-huh. Uh, how many stars do you think Mr. Roger Ebert gave it? I think Sam, uh, well, I think, yeah, I think, uh, uh, Roger Ebert gave this a good old three stars. He probably didn't, he thought, he probably thought it was a pretty familiar tale, but he liked the acting. That is a correct, um, summarization of what he said, but he gave it three and a half stars. Oh, three and a half stars? Really? His, his opener says the negotiator's a triumph of style over story and of acting over characters. Just Definitely. Like he said, the movie's a thriller that really hums along, and I was in and I was intensely involved almost all the way. Only now, typing up my notes, do I fully realize how many formula elements it oh, contains. Yeah. Which I think it perfectly captures this, because in the moment when you're watching it, you're like, this is a fun movie. Not like right. fun, but it's fun. It's thrilling. It keeps you interested for two hours and 20 minutes. It holds your attention. And th- listen, this is why, I mean, this is, an, a, this is kind of a larger scale reason why they're formula work. Like, genre yeah. formula and genre conventions work. This reason why we have a billion cop shows and that this procedural type things work. There's a reason yes. why we have so many hostage taker, innocent man takes hostages movies. And most of them work pretty well. Oddly, the one that I've always really hated is John Q, which came out maybe a couple years after this with Denzel Washington. And man, yeah, that movie is that not good. Bad. But, um, but, uh, you know, like, usually they're, they're usually solid, you know, and that, that works. And it definitely has a, it's a little unfair when we talk about, uh, once we get into the late 90s with what would Rogers say? I was really reading a lot of Roger Ebert, so I probably remember a lot of these reviews. Yeah. He talks about how there's um, much of the movie simply consists of close-ups of the two of them talking. Oh, I wrote that down. There's a a note of that. God, there's a ton of close-ups in this movie. A lot of really close face shots. Yeah, of them just talking, not... To each other, but on their phones. Yeah, it's but it's I, you know F. Gary again. Like I think F. Gary Gray is a good director when the material's right. He can you know he he knows what yep. to do. He's a very competent, good, skilled director. So you give him a decent, you give him the pieces, you give him the actors, you give him a, a you know a solid enough plot that moves along. This guy, this guy, will get you get you yeah, across the finish. I was line. on this ride. The problem with Men in Black International is that that's a piece of shit script. <laughs> bad. Like that's script. not his fault. Very bad script. Yeah. Just an average blah. But that movie's bad, and it is it was actively bad, and that's, and that's too bad because I love the two main actors. I do too, and Thor and uh, uh, and what's Valkyrie, name? yeah, Tessa Thompson. I mean, just come on, great too. But I mean, we, I don't know, we just don't need a Men in Black without. You want to make a Men in Black four with Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith? I'll take that, and I'll yeah. be like, that's fine. We 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 know these guys, and it may be as bad as Men in Black two, which is not a good movie. But, you know, Men in Black 3 is fine. That brought in Josh Brolin as a young, 
Tommy Lee Jones, but it, I mean, it was fine. You make one of those, that's fine. When you just try to do this whole new thing, and it's like, we're not doing Men in Black, but we are. It's just like, ooh, you guys are reaching really far. Yeah. Not good. Okay. The Negotiator. The Fumigator. Just as a recap, the three words that you gave me were uh, cattle. Easy. I mean, not yet. I mean, I mean was... you talked to show about, you watched a movie with cow in yeah, the title. Yeah, Dividend and Cheek. I got them all out before we even talked about What did you say about Cheek? Cheeks. When we were talking about Watchmen, the, the caps had to put the mask on I the I was cheeks. like, why did you say mask on the cheeks? I was like, <laughs> when you said that, I was like, what the fuck? That's a really weird way to fucking describe that. <laughs> yeah. I totally forgot that was one of the words I gave cheek. you. I was like, what the fuck? What were your three words? I think we all remember yours because they they came right on out. Applesauce. Applesauce. Fumigate. Yep. Fudgesicle. The fumigator. Yeah, that was good. I mean, I like that. I mean, I made you go through it. I'm pretty clever, so you're welcome. All right, that's our last latest episode of Old Millennials Remember Movies. Thanks for listening, guys. We will talk at you another movie. Tell your friend about this podcast. What? (laughs) Stop giggling. What? Bye, guys. Oh, you're still recording? Jesus.